Quiet on set. Picture is up. All right, roll sound. Rolling. Roll cameras. Cams rolling. And three, two. Hey, everybody. What's going on? And welcome back to Hank's Think Tank. we got a good show for you today. i got David Mullane to my left. Thanks for having me. Good to have you, David. All good right. to see you again. And I've got a great guest in here today. His name is Jameson Ellis, and he is a candidate for United States Congress in the 2nd Congressional District. He's a Republican. He's a good guy, and I can't wait to hear everything he's got to tell us. All right, guys, the primary is going to be March 1st, and early voting starts when, David? Valentine's Day. That's right, Valentine's Day. But before we begin, I just want to quickly thank our sponsor, FD Tactics your source for embroidery, screen printing, and first responder uniforms. They can be reached at fdtactics.com. And hey, guys, I really appreciate you. Thanks for doing all that you do for Hank's Think Tank. All right, Mr. Ellis, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I definitely uh, just want to say thank you for for allowing me to be on. It's, it's an honor and a privilege. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jameson Ellis, uh, and for anybody that's wondering, yes, it's uh, Jameson, kind of like the whiskey, only I think I'm a lot more fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I was actually uh, born and raised, or born in Brady, Texas, and I've lived in the greater Houston area most of my life. Uh, I'm a small business owner, self-employed, and uh, been independent in that in that way for the last four years. And, uh, and, and the main reason why I'm even in this race is uh, I've, for the last uh, few years, I've been helping to bridge the gap between law enforcement and community. It's a nonprofit that I help run. And uh, May 25th is a very significant date uh, for two reasons. One, it's my birthday. But May 25th, 2020 specifically was the date that uh, the George Floyd incident happened. Right. And over the course of the next 60 days, uh, we saw over 500 declared riots and over 2,000 law enforcement officers that were injured in the line of duty. And when I looked at our government leaders, they sat on their butts, and some of them actually incited even more violence. And so I, I felt like what I heard God say, because I, I am a Christian, so I felt like one of the things I heard God share with me is that what's going on right now with BLM, Antifa, law enforcement, it's a symptom of a much deeper issue. And so I, I did some research, and what I learned is we have 435 voting members of the House. Less than 40 have conservative voting records. And then I looked at Texas. So everybody says, oh, keep Texas red. Well, what I learned was even more shocking is that Texas ain't red, it's purple. And, and here's proof. So up until this year, we just added two new districts. So now we have 38 districts. But up until this last year, we had 36 districts. Out of 36 districts, only 13 had true conservative representation. So Texas ain't red, it, it's, it's purple. And so when, when I look at, when I look at uh, at Democrats, for example, right? Everybody wants to blame Democrats. I don't blame Democrats because Democrats have always acted and voted like Democrats. They're always going to act and vote like Democrats. What bothers me is whenever you have so-called Republicans that are acting and voting like Democrats, like Dan Crenshaw, who is my primary opponent. And so we need to make sure that we're voting out rhinos, uh, which is what I believe that Dan Crenshaw is. So, Okay. Well, that's interesting. I, I hadn't heard a take like that yet. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what actually got you to decide to run for Congress, though? Yeah, so so uh, that's an interesting question, and sometimes I choose whether to share this or not, just simply because sometimes it freaks people out. 
So we were in Bridge the Blue. We have a community online of over 100,000 law enforcement as well as law enforcement supporters. And so we were doing what we call a Blue Crew Live. Um, and so in the middle of that Blue Crew Live, I felt like I heard God tell me that this is a symptom of a much deeper issue. Right. So that's actually where that happened. And so in that moment, I knew I wanted to do more. Right. Because because, you know, symptoms are important. We need to treat symptoms. So whenever you have the flu or you have, you know, the Rona, whatever you want to treat the symptoms because it helps you to get through. But if we don't treat the root cause, then then all we're doing is putting a Band-Aid over the problem. And so uh, I decided in that moment or I felt like in that moment I needed to do more. And what came to my to my head was Congress. I was like, wait a minute, like I'm not a politician. I'm just I'm just a regular guy. Uh, I don't look the part. I don't act the part. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of weeks later, I get a message from a gal in Wichita Falls. And uh, and she says, you know, hey, I was praying and, and, and God showed me you in Congress. And that's been on your heart to run for office. And you haven't even told anybody. Now, I didn't know this lady uh, and she didn't know me. She actually learned about me through Bridge the Blue. And so uh, that kind of weirded me out a little bit uh, because I hadn't even told my wife. So when she shared that with me, uh, I went ahead and decided to let Donna know. Donna's my wife. And um, we put that kind of on the back burner. We decided that, okay, um, we're going to trust God for the next steps because I don't even know what that looks like. I've never, again, I'm not a politician. I've never done a campaign before, never been on a campaign. Don't even know the first thing about campaigning. At least I didn't back then. So we went ahead and started One Nation Project, which is another charity uh, that, that we've been working on for the last year. And, uh, and that was basically something I was like, this is something that I can do to try to, to try to help make a difference. Well, then in March or April earlier of this year, uh, my, my best friend, John, he calls me and he's not my campaign manager, but he calls me and says, Hey, did you hear that Kevin Brady isn't running for reelection? And I was like, no, I didn't hear that. Cause at the time I lived in district eight mm-hmm. and I was like, no, I, I didn't know that. And so whenever he told me, I actually felt like in my gut, like this voice, like it's your time. So I was like, okay, I think, uh, I think maybe I'm going to, I think maybe I'm going to run. And John was like, uh, are you sure? I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't know. Uh, so I, I want to make sure that I, I, I take this to my wife. I take it to God. I pray about it. I really think about it because I want to count the cost. I think too many people make the snap decisions, but mm-hmm. they don't really count the cost of what it's going to mean and what the ramifications could be. And so me being someone who... Uh, just like everybody that's probably listening in, I have a past. I have a story. I have failures. I have defeats. I have struggles from my past. And so I was like, do I really want to have my life put under a microscope that could be humiliating for me? It could be humiliating for my wife. It could be humiliating for my extended family, my immediate family. Do I really want to do that? So I wanted to count the cost. And so that night I went home, talked to my wife, prayed about it and counted the cost. And uh, the next morning I woke up and I had a piece about running. So I called John and I was like, I'm going to do it. But that entire day I was scared to death because I'm like, what did I just get myself into? Sure. What, what did I just commit to? Um, so I got through that day, went to bed, woke up the next morning and all of the fear was gone. And it was, okay, how many butts do we have to kick to get the job done? So we started off in district eight. We gained a lot of momentum there. And then the redistricting happened. So we added two new districts. Mm-hmm. And after that, so I live in south, the southeast part of Conroe. And so all okay. of a sudden I found I find myself living in District 2 and no longer in District 8. And I've always been somebody that, that as a man of principle, I believe 
that a congressman should represent the district in which they live. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, am I going to move, like just uproot and move to, to, to District 8? Or am I going to stay put and choose to run in District 2? Well, I chose to run in District 2. And so, you know, for anybody listening, I didn't switch districts. I want to make sure that, that, that uh, I set the record straight. I didn't switch districts. The district switched me. So what area does District 2 encompass? So it basically goes from the southeastern part of Conroe uh, down to the woodlands over to Spring, uh, over to East Montgomery County, including Splendora, New Caney, Porter, Kingwood. So we're no longer District 8. Correct. You are now Congressional District 2. (laughs) Oh, we will be. Yeah, we will. Because that takes effect in 2023, right? Nope. No, that's that's this that's this election okay. for the primaries. Wow. So, so then and it goes all the way to towards Huffman and all the way down to Channel View. So yeah. so Congressional District two looks completely different. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So I, you got to get used to your area of representation. Well, and, and what's funny is that most people don't even know. Right. right? They, they still think the districts look the same and they have no clue. Mm hmm. And, 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 and that's, and to me that that's a problem. So I try to make sure that I put out enough resources where people know, Hey, make sure you know where you live. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of people are going to find that they no longer live, uh, in the district they once did. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I was kind of wondering why you're representing district two, because this was district eight. Yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> cool. All right, David, what you got? Well, how's the campaign going? That's a kind of a loaded question. Um, yeah, are you busy? Yeah, I stay busy. So it's 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 kind of funny that today uh, today was was kind of a, a work day, if you will. And so as a small business owner, I still have clients that I have to serve. So it always it always makes it interesting whenever you're running a campaign, uh, but you're also still having to work a job, right? What kind, yeah. of, job and, do you, what kind of job do you do? Uh, so what I do is I, I build websites. I do graphic design. I actually do videography, photography. Uh, I do digital marketing, social media, stuff like that. So so I, and so I manage brands. And, uh, and I look at the entire picture when it comes to a company, what image they're trying to portray. And I, and I build it from the ground up. It could be all the way from internal, like what's the culture, what's the attitude, what's the personality of the business? And then how do we reflect that in the brand, the color scheme, the, the look and feel of everything. And so, uh, so that, that's, that's ultimately what I do. And it's a lot of fun. Hmm. It's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work, especially whenever you have to have conversations with people that don't necessarily see the big picture. They don't necessarily see the vision. So you have to walk them through that process. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And what's your company name? Uh, so I'm basically an independent contractor. Okay. Right. So uh, so basically I contract my work out uh, and and my primary businesses that I serve right now is a, I have a security or I have a security company that is one of my clients. Bridge the Blue is also one of my clients. But again, I also help run that. And, and then Safeguard, and then uh, then my uh, the T3 Cross Training, Snap Fitness were two of my clients. But I recently lost them because I became so busy on the campaign that it was I had to make a decision: sure. Do I continue to take their money whenever I can't fully serve them, uh, or do I choose to focus on the campaign? So obviously, I chose to focus on the campaign. I wanted to make sure that I was doing right by them. Okay, I will tell you what. Let me get, let me actually just get right into it. Um, as conservatives, most Republicans out here do not like big government. So how would you restrict big government? Yeah, so uh, I tell people all the time that my role going to Congress isn't necessarily to write new legislation. Now, I will tell you that when I do write new legislation, I plan on repealing bad legislation. But the way that I look at it is our government's big enough. We don't need new legislation. So the thing that, that is that is so 
bass backwards, if you will, just want to keep it clean. Right. Uh, it's so bass backwards, if you will, is the fact that when I go to Congress, my salary is one hundred seventy-four thousand dollars a year. Do you know how much a state representative makes here in Texas? Seven. A little over seven thousand mm-hmm. a year, not a month. Yeah, about six hundred bucks a, a month. It's crazy. <laughs> and 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 then the 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 main priority of the federal government is two things it's to it's to uh secure our borders but it's also to protect our unalienable god-given rights and i want to specify god-given not government given and so if that's their two primary jobs why does congress have to be in session so long why do they get paid so much and why are they making more if we're a nation not with states we're a nation of states so tell me why the federal government has so much power to where we have states like Texas that we're, we're on, the, on the brink of losing our sovereignty. And, and, and which when that happens, we've lost our personal liberties. And so my, my primary agenda and the way that I plan on, on restricting big government, the first thing that I'm going to do is I want to make sure that, that when I go to Congress, I am going to look every single quote unquote Republican in the eye that's not acting and voting like a Republican. And I'm going to ask them, how it feels to be a traitor to the district that elected them to represent them as a conservative. Then I'm going to expose their voting records. And I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm working with, uh, with the type of Republicans that actually have conservative voting records. We're talking about people like Jim Jordan. We're talking about uh, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. We're talking about Chip Roy, right? We're talking about conservatives that whenever you go look up their Liberty score on conservative review, they're in the 90s. Right. So I want to work with them. Second thing that I want to do is uh, I'm going to be coming back to the district. So I'm only going to be in D.C. uh, as much as I or as little as I need to be. Mm -hmm. I want to be there to do my job, to make sure I'm representing the people. But then I'm going to be right back here in the district. And what I've what I've said from the very beginning is I'm going to be holding workshops, exposing exactly what goes on um, behind the curtain, because that's something that uh, that that the regular citizen needs to know. And, uh, and I look at it like this. So John told me one time, he's like, man, don't you think that's going to put a target on your back? And I'm like, I'm a conservative. I already have a target on my back. And, and we're literally at this place right now where people val- have for so long have valued leisure over liberty. And if we don't get to the place where we're willing to do whatever it takes to restore liberty, because I don't, I don't believe at this point we have liberty and we have freedom. I believe it's an illusion. And, uh, and so we have got to get to this place where we're willing to give our life if need be. Uh, and there's different ways to do that. Some serve in the military. Some, uh, some people were given other gifts, talents, and abilities and the ability to do that. And so, uh, so we need to rally people together to actually start giving a crap about what goes on in this country and get rid of the apathy. Uh, the third thing uh, that I want to do is, uh, uh, let me see, what would I say there? So there, there were three things. Um, bear with me here. Just had a brain fart. I think that means a we take a sip moment. of this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Boo. <laughs> uh, there was one other thing, well, and so, um, so, I had a brain fart. So when you talk of liberty, uh, define liberty for me. Um, less government. Um, so I'll, I'll put it to you this way. So our founding fathers, they based the laws of our nation on the, the the laws of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. All of the laws of the Old Testament can be can be taken back to the Ten Commandments. So David Barton he he talked about the law of liberty and you and the moral law 
right? Which is where most of our laws come from. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That, like you follow these 10 commandments, these 10 laws, keep you out of jail. But the federal government, we have over 10,000 laws on the books. You break just one of these, it'll put you in jail. That's not liberty. Right. So, you know, I, I believe that, uh, that, that we have an unalienable right to three things, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Life comes first. If we don't value life, which is our most basic unalienable right, then we can't truly value liberty. And we have liberty so long as we're not infringing or jeopardizing the life, liberty, and property of others. And so to me, that's liberty. The ability to be able to to, uh, pursue uh, happiness, to be able to pursue your dreams, the American dream, without the federal government's involvement and with little in gov- uh, without with little the the least amount of government involvement as as possible, and so uh, and I'm a laissez-faire free market guy. You know I, I believe that you ought to be able to start a business and not have the government stick their nose in your business. Uh, I believe that uh, that as a business owner, <laughs> good luck, good luck that. There, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I believe that as a business owner, uh, that that whenever you serve the marketplace, because businesses exist to solve problems. If you're not solving a problem, your business won't exist. Now those problems might not be problems for some, but they're problems for others. But uh, businesses exist to solve problems. And the free market will regulate itself if we allow the companies that don't serve their clients, that don't, don't serve the market, if they're allowed to fail, then the, the companies that, that treat their employees great, that respect liberty, that, 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 uh, that also uh, serve their customers, they'll be allowed to, to the cream will, will be allowed right. to rise to the top, if you will. And so, and so uh, that's, that's, that's liberty. It's the, mm-hmm. the ability to live your life however you want, so long as it doesn't infringe on the life, liberty, and property of others. Okay. I like it. Tell me, let me ask you this. Uh, border security. Any alternatives you see, uh, the wall? Tell us your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, we definitely need to finish the wall. The other thing we need to do is in catch and release. So I was at the border back in, I want to say it was September, and, uh, and I did the whole border tour. And, and you, know, you see a lot of people, they go to the border, and, uh, and, and they do the virtue signal shot where they're right there you know, in that same place. And, and it's like, oh, I've been there. No, I actually took the border tour. And, uh, and I went down uh, downtown McAllen, and I actually saw where they're bringing people in and then what they're doing. So, so they're actually bringing them. So there's this, uh, I believe they're called like the something mission, like the Catholic mission or something like that, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. But they're bringing them in. They're not vetting them, right? So most of these people, they're dumping their IDs in Mexico. So you have a black person coming across the border that speaks French, but they came from Mexico, so they're Mexican. Mm-hmm. They're not vetting these people. Um, they're giving them food, clothing, something. It's right across the street from the bus station. So they're sending them over to the bus station to go anywhere they want. Kids, they're recycling them, right? So they, so they, they might they might come over there and uh, and let's say you have uh, Bob and Bob is uh, is on duty that night. So he might see this kid one time, but whenever they recycle that kid two or three days later, and, and that kid comes back through, Bob's not on shift because Bob, you'll start to recognize, right? So they're very mm-hmm. meticulous about making sure that they're able to, to, to get this done. Um, and it's it's horrible. And then I was with Sandra Witten, who's a, a congressional candidate for CD28. And she has bags of these different colored um, uh, wristbands 
that represent a different purpose for the cartels. And most of it's related to human trafficking. Mm -hmm. She's got bags of them. And then uh, uh, we were at the Roma Bluffs and we got out and and there were, actually I have a picture of it uh, on Facebook that I took. And there were two, two or three of these wristbands just laying right there on the ground. And I'm like, you come across this often? She's like, oh, yeah, uh, everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, but we need to end catch and release. The other thing we need to do is we need to end all the benefits that uh, that they're giving to uh, they have access to benefits that we don't even have access to. They're not even citizens. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'll say this too, and uh, some people hate me for this, others love me for it, but we need to elect a, a governor to the state of Texas that's gonna be a conservative 100% of the time and not just whenever it's an election cycle. Someone that actually gives a crap about the sovereignty of Texas, that wants to protect Texas, and that's gonna fight back against the tyrannical federal government. So anyways, that's just a handful of things that, uh, that we need to do on the, oh, we need to uncalf or unhandcuff our, our, our law enforcement and, and our border security to be able to do their jobs. Um, it's, it's crazy that you think that, that they would be able to engage and do what they need to do to protect the border. Mm -hmm. And they're just not allowed to do it. Um, it's, there's some videos that I could share with you guys that would probably shock you. Uh, and and just, just really quick, I want to give a shout out to Walter West. I don't know if you know who Walter West is, but uh, he, he spends a lot of time on the border. Mm -hmm. And he'll come and, and he'll give these border updates. And, and so I encourage anybody to check those out. The uh, Montgomery County Tea Party Pack, they actually, uh, he comes and he speaks with them quite a bit and they do border updates, but he's got a ton of resources you can share on exactly what's going on. It's just, it's, it's crazy and, and it's scary. So. Okay. Great. So uh, let's talk about energy independence a little bit. On your website, it says that you are going to promote energy independence. So go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so uh, one of the things that we need to do uh, for energy independence is we need, to, we need to stop giving money to our enemies. A lot of people don't think about this, but uh, so so my cousin Wes, he's a truck driver. Mm -hmm. So he draw he went to buy one of the windmill farms and he dropped off uh, some batteries uh, for these windmills. They're made in China, and who met him there was a Russian engineer. So these batteries are made in China. Russian engineers are who assemble them. Right, uh, we, we we need we need to stop giving money to our enemies. Um, we need to make sure that we are uh, that that we get out of this, the World Economic Forum, that we get out of the the, the Green New Deal. Mm -hmm. um, we need to bring uh, jobs back here as well, and uh, and so this this globalist kind of agenda is 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 really what's hurting us. And so uh, so yeah, those are just a few things. So what do you think about fossil fuels versus new energy? Should we well, well think, define define new energy? Well, I mean, green energy, I guess you could call it. So, I mean, do you think we should still try to make a progression away from fossil fuels? I mean, it's going to have to happen sooner or later. Well, you know, I mean, we need to keep an eye on 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 renewable energy. So mm -hmm. I think that re renewable energy and green energy aren't the same thing. Correct. Right, but Correct. but I also don't believe that we need to be giving subsidies to these to the windmill farms, to the solar. Like we need to end all of those subsidies, um, and so uh, I mean we. But but don't the subsidies help to pay for technological advancements? Well, though, well in that. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. Uh, what's what's something that have you ever seen the federal government touch something that they've made better? 
That's not a possibility. Right. <laughs> so, so no, they, they, they don't, they don't yeah. need federal subsidies. Uh, you give the federal government an inch and they're going to take a mile. They destroy right. everything they touch. Yeah, and I haven't looked into the subsidies to see what all's tied to those, but I'm sure it's not just free money. Oh, no. You know, so. Okay. Not only that, but I'll just say this. Anytime that you take money from a private citizen against their will to fund something like that, that's that's – you know whether it's a social program or whether it's sending money to for you know for subsidies and actually mm-hmm. I, I look at subsidies that's whenever you take money from a uh, less profitable company and give them to a more profitable company um, you know again that's that's the federal government uh, being involved in the free market I think if we just got the government out of the way now there would be some course corrections of course because that's just mm-hmm. the way that it happens right sure. but, but the free market would regulate itself but whenever they're taking our our money from us against our will for these subsidies and for all of the special interests, that's literally theft and it's promoting socialism. You say against our will, and you mean paid taxes? Yeah. Okay. okay. If you're taking money, I mean, tax is theft. Taxation is theft. Now, well, it's, tax, a, tax, it's a necessary evil, it, obviously. It's a, it we, is we a necessary. need taxes to form you know, a defense and you know, Absol- run a country. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem that I have. When you look in the House, so they have these omnibus bills. Right. So here, here in the state of Texas, at the Texas legislature, we have single-issue single, single issue legislation. Well, in Washington and D.C., uh, you have omnibus bills. And so they'll put a little bit of good stuff in there, but then a lot of, of bad stuff, unconstitutional. It's a lot of excess spending. And, uh, and we don't get a say-so on where that goes. Right. Right. And so, and so uh, that's a part of the problem. Right. So it's it's literally taxation without representation, which is one of the 22 grievances, if I remember correctly, that our founding fathers actually fought, uh, you know, for our in, our independence for. Right. And so, uh, you know, it, it, so I, I am a firm believer in the fair tax plan and, and the fair tax plan. It gets rid of the IRS, which some people say, oh, that's a pipe dream. Well, yeah, as long as we keep electing candidates that don't believe in and 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 the principles of liberty, then mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's always going to be a pipe dream. But with the fair tax, it would get rid of the IRS, it would get rid of all the special interests, it would get rid of the bureaucracy, and and because the taxes are collected at the state level and and not the federal level, there's more accountability. So literally, it goes down from from. Uh, uh, to, to about 54, if I remember correctly. So there's 50 states, and then there's four territories that actually uh, w- would be paying taxes on that. So so 54 taxpayers versus however many million you know here mm-hmm. in the United States. More accountability, and, uh, and would and that be a flat tax rate for individuals? Uh, it's not a it's not a, a flat tax. So mm-hmm. so it's a it's a, a consumption tax, right? So you keep a hundred percent of your paycheck. Mm-hmm. You only pay taxes on what you spend up to the poverty level. So, so, up, so nobody pays taxes up to the poverty level. So if you are a, a single mom with two kids um, and you live under the poverty level, you're not going to pay taxes. You get to keep all of your money. But none of us, no matter how much money we make, are going to pay taxes up to the poverty level. It'll be beyond that. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the highest tax rate anybody would pay is 23%. I think right now it's what, what 30, 36%, mm-hmm. something like that. The highest tax rate anybody will ever pay is 23%, but everybody gets gets the prebate, which is, which is up to the poverty level, right? So everybody mm-hmm. gets that prebate. The only people that don't get the prebate are um, illegal aliens. And they all need to be deported anyway. And and to go back to that really quick, I think that any time that that some that an illegal alien is cro- crossing caught crossing the border, um, 
they they need their eligibility for citizenship to be revoked. Uh, no second, third chances. I think the problem has gotten to the point where we need to revoke their eligibility to be able to apply for citizenship. So didn't mean to go okay. backwards on that. But. That's okay. I wanted to get back on the taxation. So how would corporate taxes be be accounted for in that particular case? Because at this point, I mean, even the large corporations, you know, they're getting away with a lot. While yeah. the individuals are sucking it up. Yeah. You know. So, so, and if you did away with the IRS, then uh, I'm wondering what agency would, would oversee all that. There would have to be some oversight. It's the states. So so what I would recommend, so uh, I don't know, I'm not an expert, if you will, on the fair tax plan, mm-hmm. um, but it is something I've done a lot of research on. What I would encourage uh, everybody to do is go to fairtax.org, okay. and and you can read up on the fair tax plan mm-hmm. uh, and, and what all it entails. Um, but, uh, so I, I personally have always believed in a flat tax. So our founding fathers, whenever, you know, uh, whenever our nation was initially founded again, like you said, taxation is a, it's a necessary evil, right? It's something something you got to do. It's something we have to do, but you know, I'm a firm believer in Jeffersonian tax principles. And so, uh, our founding fathers believed in what was called a flat tax, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and so a flat tax is... It's not necessarily the most fair, and that's what I was actually pushing until I learned about the fair tax. And, and there's several reasons why the fair tax is better than a flat tax. But I always, I always kind of looked at the flat tax kind of like in church, you know, mm-hmm. you tithe 10%, right? right. So I mean, you would consider that to be a flat tax, right? Um, but uh, uh, the, the fair tax, after, after I've I thought about it, I was like, okay, that's a little bit better of a plan than, than, a, than a flat tax. And, and, and the fact that, we will probably never ever get to that place where we're just going to have a flat tax. That's kind of a pie in the sky, um, you know, and that's what I've been told by a lot of people. And so, you know, right. we can always we can always push for the best, right? But uh, and hope for the best. But but the fair tax has been uh, you know has been promoted by by several uh, several very well known uh, people that have been in politics. And um, I'm trying to remember who was the who was the the, the governor of Arkansas, um, Clinton. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it, I think it was. I think well, it, well. I, 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 I think it was Arkansas. But uh, Mike, uh, what was his name? Mike. Uh, he was a Baptist preacher. Got me on that one. Why am I having a, a brain? Rick Perry moment. Brain <laughs> yeah. Stop comparing me to Rick Perry, man. <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's totally cool. I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top was, of my head. I was dragging head, you. I was giving you a hard time. Are you no, familiar, it's all good. Are you familiar with the American Families Plan at all? Have you taken a look at that? Uh, I have not. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big, nasty proposal. Check it out if you get a chance. I'm sure you'll be against it. <laughs> so. now, now, now you got me curious. Now i got to pull this up. Uh, well, there's two components to the American Families Plan. One is a, is a tax enforcement component um, where they're going to, they're gonna, I think, add – $327 billion over the next 10 years to build up the IRS. And, and in addition to that, you know, right now, if you make a deposit or you take a withdrawal from the bank of $10,000, it gets reported to the IRS. They want to lower that amount to $600. So for every transaction you make, and the banks are set up for this already. I mean, they've already got IT-wise, they've already got the databases and the infrastructure in place. So reporting won't be a big problem. The problem that I have with it is they're going to know every transaction every individual makes, and eventually they want to phase out all the all the tax preparation offices and just have the IRS do it. So like TurboTax and things like that wouldn't be legal anymore. So you would go to the IRS to file your taxes. That's and scary. And well, they'd already have scary. it. And they'd already have it because every transaction you made, 600 bucks or more, has been reported to them. 
And, 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 you know, and, you know then and they I, can start using that data for national averages and everything else. So they can take a look at you and say, well, wait a minute, you know, you use more toilet paper than the average citizen does. So we're going to send you to the doctor. And by the way, that's going to cost you. And I mean, yeah, we're getting to the point to where there's going to be governmental control over every aspect of your life. The American Families Plan is just a good, a good starting point for that. So yeah, check it out. No, but you I, need to go I to whitehouse.gov, and you also need to go to the Department of the Treasury to find the tax compliance component because it's not under the whitehouse.gov. It's it's somewhere else. They hid it. But yeah, it's there. And it's I wonder the, why they hid it. It's called the American Families Plan. Well, they, they don't want people to read it. Yeah, they don't <laughs> want people to know what's really going on with the nope. American Families Plan. Yeah, think- and it looks pretty. On the on the WhiteHouse.gov website, oh, I like it. You know, they want to help children and, and give everybody free college and this that, and the other. Where's that money going to come from? The IRS, <laughs> you know, because they're they're going to squeeze it out of every one of us. And uh, it looks like it's going to pass. Oh, really quick, by so, the way, it was Mike Mike Huckabee. That's oh, okay. That's Mike, I was thinking of him. I remember yeah, I him. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, I like him. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about voter fraud. Uh, what would be your plans to reinstate voter confidence? Because I think our biggest problem right now may be voter fraud, but I think our biggest problem is voter confidence. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I definitely agree. And, and, and to a degree, they're kind of one and the same. Um, Absolutely. If, if you know, the confidence would be reinstilled if we knew that, that the, the likelihood for fraud uh, was little to non-existent, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the first thing I think we should do is we need to have one day. One day. Let's get rid of early voting. Let's have one day. Um, and, and, and I... If I remember correctly, this was a week or two ago, Mike Lindell had had talked about the different types of paper that you can use. And, and I didn't get to watch that. I just kind of heard about it. And, and I need to I need to go check that out. But I believe that we need to be looking towards the future. And so I'm a I'm a big fan of, of blockchain technology. Okay. Uh, so blockchain technology, it's 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 decentralized so it's not owned by anybody right and i think that's extremely important right. uh it also is more secure because it's mathematical equations yeah. that figure it out the foundation uh, of bitcoin yeah, absolutely yeah. it's it's transparent mm-hmm. and it's a hundred percent auditable yet it's also anonymous mm-hmm. so it's got all of the right factors to be able and, and the way that i look at this is nothing really changes for the voter Right. The voter can still go and vote. And whenever they cast their their vote, they get a receipt that tell, that shows them exactly how they voted. And I think that's important. Um, but uh, I believe blockchain technology. Are we there yet? I don't know. But that's uh, but I, I definitely want to advocate for that. Now, here's the other thing uh, to that as well, is it's going to take people like me to advocate for it at the state level because it's not that's that again that's not a federal each state is responsible for their own electoral process and so we need to to build a coalition of people uh, across all the states that are willing to take a look and say can we figure this out and so so you're talking about blockchain technology applied to the voting process yes sir it would be a whole lot harder to hack yep i just well, hold on i just gotta you know <laughs> I have to absorb that for a second. I'm an IT person, so I, okay. I got to make that work for a minute because I haven't applied it anywhere else besides crypto. Yeah, crypto. Well, a lot of our medical records are going that direction now. Wow. Yeah. Hadn't thought about that. Mortgage like loans, it. documents. Uh, okay. A lot, of, a lot of documents are going that way. Yeah, yeah. blockchain. I mean, I just love the. So I actually, I was on a Twitter space. Could work. I was on a Twitter space last week, and I had this one gal out of Alabama. Um, she was a sweet lady, but she was like, but who owns the blockchain? I was like, 
nobody. It's and it's, everybody. It's de- yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 decentralized. Say no, right. somebody has to own it. So what we have to uh, also do is we have to get better at educating people about this kind of technology mm-hmm. because a lot of some people when they hear Bitcoin they're like oh you know and I think a seventeen year old kid came up with blockchain too. It was like some young dude. Well, well, nobody, well, like, wow. nobody really knows like what Bitcoin, for example, Satoshi Nakamoto. Nobody knows who he or that group of, pe- of people were, mm-hmm. right? It's it's been this this it, this enigma, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's been this 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 mystery, and uh, it, it all happened after the crash of two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and, and it was it was it was supposed to be we the people's answer or an answer for we the people to you know the the fact that the that the, the the dollar decreases by three percent every single year, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it, it's crazy, and, and it's kind of like whenever you tell the story of how Bitcoin got started, there's a lot of people that are just like, that sounds like a movie. I'm like, yeah, it does, but it, but nobody knows who it was, right? right. Nobody it, was it was it a person? Was it a group of people? We don't know, but but you look at what it's done. So Bitcoin specifically. So whenever Harvey happened in Houston. Mm-hmm. There were people that could not get access to resources because all the banks were closed. Mm-hmm. But guess what they had access to? Bitcoin. And they were able to get access to supplies and everything else because of Bitcoin. Right. It's crazy. And, you know, when you look at what's going on in, uh, in Venezuela. So Venezuela, there's literally, they literally have people going to the border to to pick up supplies and how are they paying for those supplies bitcoin mm-hmm. because their money's useless yeah it's becoming more common that's yeah, for sure absolutely yeah and so yeah and, and so once i learned about bitcoin and, and i'll just throw this out there it's kind of a side it's really a great answer to global currency you know? I, I i learned about bitcoin uh back in 2010 mm-hmm. and i remember seeing it i didn't get it i didn't understand it but I, but I could have bought I could have bought Bitcoin for literally nothing, <laughs> and if I would have had the vision, you know, maybe maybe I would have been a Bitcoin millionaire, right? You know, and I keep kicking myself in the butt. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to remain open to to new opportunities sure. and uh, and stop being so closed minded about things. <laughs> okay, what you got, David? Anything term else? limits. You me thoughts on some term limits here. I mean, you like them? Don't like them? No, I, I, I'm 100 percent for term limits. So unfortunately, you know, we live in a society where. Well, let me say this first before I say that. Term limits really already exist. Yeah, that's voters, the voters. problem. Yeah. Voters, we have the ability to vote out anybody that we don't like. The problem is the system is set up against the people. So we're taught to to not talk about two things: politics and religion. And what it's done is it's led to a to a, a grave misunderstanding of both. And what we should be teaching our kids and what we should be teaching future generations is how to be able to have civil discourse and remain respectful. But unfortunately, most people don't vote, even less don't vote in primaries, and even less vote in uh, midterms. Well, and the, and, problem, the problem that I see is that it's education, too. Yeah. It's, it's extremely difficult to get good information about how many candidates are in a race, what district that race is in, what I see, I've even found that like here, for instance, a lot of people don't even understand or know what a county commissioner does. Yeah. You know? And so I think it all boils down to people need to take the time and it doesn't take that long, a little bit of time here and there, and you can learn a lot. 
don't vote for a name. Don't vote for a slogan. Don't vote for Republican or Democrat. You need to vote for a guy who supports the kind of ideas that you have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And a guy that's going to do the right kind of job and somebody who will be accountable and things like that. But you also have to understand the process and you have to understand the office. And all that stuff has become so complex, it's almost impossible for the average Joe to figure it out. And it's that way on purpose. It is that way on purpose. I I tell people all the time, um, don't believe a word I say. Because it's so easy for me. I mean, even on a now, obviously with you, you know, guys, you're on a podcast, podcast, right? Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> but, but even, but even, even with you People guys, are <laughs> well, I, I've said this numerous times. I've said this numerous times, right? You guys were sitting face to face, right? So when you're in mm-hmm. person, you know, you can tell by looking in their eyes, like, is this guy full of crap? Is he trying to pull one over on me, right? The problem with the way that our system is set up is is we have these forums or we have these debates and it's on this stage and it's televised or it's streamed online and you have somebody that's a great speaker and they can tell you what you want to hear but then you vote for them and you hire them and like then you send them to Washington and they vote the exact opposite of what you were expecting them to <clears throat> Dan Crenshaw and, and so you know uh, <laughs> and, and and really you never know. Unless you watch that stuff on TV all day long, and nobody does because they have to work. Well, yeah, you know, people got you know? lives. No, yeah. I, so yeah. So and here's here's the other thing too, and this all plays into it. So, do you guys know how many volunteers it takes to run the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo every year? I think thousands. I'm yeah. dealing with eight. <laughs> no, go ahead. Thirty thousand. Wow. 30, wow. Wow. That's a lot. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Do you know how many volunteers volunteered for the Trump campaign in the Greater Houston area in 2020? Again, I'm going with eight. Yeah, that sounds good. Less than 1,500. Really? So the question that I ask is why is that, right? So we just talked about – we're talking about term limits still, right? Mm-hmm. But but, I, but you're, you're looking at somebody that is a product of the system. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that a lot of people are trying to get me on, if you will, which I've been very transparent. You ask me anything and I'll answer it, including my past. So people say, and I'm and I'm going to tell on myself here. Yeah, good luck getting Crenshaw to do that. Um, I've only voted three times in my life. Mm-hmm. I hope you vote this one. I've never voted in a primary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll be it. I'm being physician. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, I've never voted in a primary. Okay. Now, in all reality, I've actually voted four times. So I did vote in 2020, but my vote didn't count. And it had to do with, you know, I was living in Fort Bend County and then we moved to spring and I didn't update my voter registration, which mm-hmm. all that means is that I can't vote for local stuff, but I can still vote presidential. Right. right? And, but I wasn't able to do that. So I, on, on voting day, I go in and I cast my vote. Then it's left up to a judge on whether my vote counts or not. And my vote didn't count. So, but I did vote in 2020. Um, my vote for Trump, which I did vote for Trump, should have counted. It didn't. I wonder how many more people out there are in my situation where they voted and it didn't count. I don't know. I mean, look at Corn Pop is sitting in the in the White House right now. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm a product of the system. So I was on the uh, the Bush bandwagon back mm-hmm. in the day because I was young and didn't know any better. You know, I, I I graduated high school in 2001 and I was 19 when I graduated. That's whenever Bush was elected. Right. 
So, you know, uh, you know, we saw 9-11, and after 9-11, we saw this wave of patriotism just kind of flood all over the country. And you had country music songs, uh, you know, that were talking about how we're going to uh, put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. You know, and, and everybody's like, yeah, you know. And so that was kind of who, I mean, I, I came this close to joining the Marine Corps mm-hmm. uh, on more than one occasion just because I wanted to go and serve my country. Problem was is that uh, I had gained a little bit of weight a year out of high school. And, uh, yeah, and they were like, you got to lose 30 pounds. And I'm like, 30 pounds? Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so they give us, in 2008, they give us John McCain, a veteran, by the way. Mm-hmm. They give us John McCain. And then in 2012, they give us Mitt Romney and screwed over Ron Paul in 2011. He should have he won the Republican nomination. He didn't. So you're talking to somebody that that felt like his vote didn't count to begin with. And, you know, I feel very disenfranchised by a party that's supposed to be the party of limited government and more liberty. And literally what we have now is Republicans and Democrats are literally birds of the same feather. And you only have a handful of real Republicans that are still in office. Uh, Meanwhile, you know, and here's the thing. It's no longer Republican Democrat. This is literally good versus evil. This is American exceptionalism, our Judeo-Christian values, the American dream. This is the ideal that is America versus this very globalist, communist, Marxist agenda. And so we have to take a step back out of looking at this. JFK, if JFK were alive today, I believe he'd be a conservative. A lot of people that still identify as Democrats they're still holding on to the Democrat party of JFK. When he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That doesn't sound like the Democrat party of 2022. Mm -hmm. It's the other way around. Right. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that are still holding on to that. Um, So getting back to term limits, uh, but I wanted to be upfront about my voting record. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm a product of the system. And again, I just want to repeat really quick. Most people don't vote. Mm-hmm. Because we have an apathy problem here in America. We're too comfortable and we value fun over freedom. And the truth is, is that it's not fun whenever you have no freedom. Right. And, and, and so, like I said, we have an illusion this, but, uh, but I'm, I'm a product of that system. And there's a lot of other, it took Trump to wake me up, wake me back up, I should say, to actually uh, open my eyes and see more. And, and, and again, all the stuff that's going on with law enforcement. Right. It was that Trump's presidency um, was an what was like a red pill moment. The entire four years he was in office was a red pill moment for me. And I wonder how many other people there are in District two or in District eight in Texas or in America that Trump's presidency was a red pill moment for, especially after the 2020 election term limits, though. I do believe in term limits and I have made a commitment to only serve eight years in Congress. Doesn't matter if people want me to go longer. I'm only going to serve eight years because we need to get rid of these, these career politicians. That's not what we need. We need regular people. We need statesmen. They're going to go and represent the people that understand what it's like to be in the struggle that are not detached from reality. Like many people in, in DC are, we need people that understand what it's like to wake up every morning to have to stop by the gas station and pay $3 a gallon for gas 
to go work at a job that hasn't given you a raise in three or four years. Meanwhile, the cost of living is continuing to go up and you have a wife, kids, you know, or a husband or, or whatever. You have a family you have to provide for. That's who we need representing us. Unfortunately, whenever you look at when you look at, at the at the, uh, the the conservative or the, the voting records of conservatives uh, in, in the House, they start to decline and deteriorate after about eight years. There's some exceptions to the rule. You look at Louis <clears throat> Gohmert. Louis Gohmert maintains a 93, 94% liberty score, and he's been in he's been in Congress what 16 years, something like that. He's an anomaly. But whenever you go look at at, at con most congressmen, they start out conservative, in, in typically about eight years. After that, their conservative voting record starts to decline. Well, why is that? Because they get sucked into the swamp. Some of them, it, it doesn't take that long. Right. But they get sucked into the swamp. They become detached from reality. They become detached from the voters, from the constituents that hired them to go represent them to begin with. And so that's why I support term limits. OK. I like it. Let's talk a little bit of shift gears. Talk a little bit about defense budget. So um, and also with your ideas about our defense budget, what do you think the biggest threat to our national security is at this point. This is going to be a little bit different of an answer. I like it. Go for it. <laughs> I think uh, I think the biggest threat to uh, to our defense, uh, really to the sovereignty of our nation, is apathy. Mm -hmm. um, most people just aren't paying attention. They just don't care. So they look at someone like Dan Crenshaw, who's a veteran, and they're not able to separate military service from congressional service. They think, oh. Well, here's a veteran, right? It, most conservatives are very patriotic. Mm -hmm. and, and let me just say that, that if you're a veteran or if you currently serve, my brother serves spec ops in the Air Force, right? I come from a military first responder and law enforcement family. So I very much appreciate what veterans do uh, for us and I honor them for their service. But we need to get to a place where we understand that just because you served in the military doesn't make you the right person for Congress. I mean, could you imagine if we elected Millie to Congress? Right. Uh, it's it, we have we have to get out of that mindset. But most people aren't paying attention. It's apathy. And, and it's and, and we're getting away from the Judeo-Christian values that our nation was founded on. Um, we're, we're getting away from what it truly means to be an American. And it's something that has started. It's been happening over the last century, by the way. We've become so used to the government solving our problems mm -hmm. and the government regulating our businesses. The government, and here's the thing I believe about the government. Government sells the, or tells the sickness, creates panic, and they turn right around and they sell the cure. So apathy is, is the worst thing. Uh, and that's probably the number one um, problem that is a threat to our national defense. And again, it's a little bit different of an answer than what other people might mm -hmm. have. But if we don't start doing something different, we're going to keep getting what we've always got. So do you think big government is the cause of apathy? Or do you think it's just conditioning? Well, I think that the conditioning has come from big government. I, I think I think it's all one and the same. I don't think you can really separate one without the other on the scale that it is. Mm -hmm. Now, apathy is always going to exist because we, we again, we all have a past. We have things that we've sure. gone through. And so some people naturally a little more apathetic because of their experiences. Mm -hmm. But if you look at overall, so you look at. Uh, at and also because apathy is lack of, of effort, mm -hmm. you know, so 
and I think people are at the point now to where they feel like they put enough effort in as it is. They go to work, they do their thing, they pay their taxes, you know, they eat crappy food, yeah, they watch crappy TV, and that's all the effort they're willing to give. Well, it's kind of so. You know? you know, it's funny that you say that because you know, yesterday we were asked a question about about CRT, critical race theory, right, right, and, and like, how do we combat that? You know, and my answer, my answer is very simple. Because our education system, no, that, that's a lie. We don't have an education system. We have an indoctrination system. Yeah, you're right about that. And so, but we go to school and this is what we learn. We learn, go to more school and rack up a bunch of debt so you can mm -hmm. get a good job and then retire a year before you die. And that's just what we're taught. Why aren't we teaching things like entrepreneurship? Why aren't we teaching things like, uh, like, like how to steward money, mm -hmm. how to grow money, right? Why aren't we teaching those things? Oh, because all of a sudden you've had an entire generation of independent free thinkers that, 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 that is becomes a threat to the big government philosophy, right? And so CRT, uh, my answer is exactly the same. If we want to fix the issue with CRT, if we want to fix the indoctrination, if we want to fix all of this stuff, um, we need to um get the government out of our education system and uh and defund the department of education there's no constitutional authority for the department of education to even exist it's wasteful spending mm -hmm. it's the parents responsibility and i think parents need to be empowered to take responsibility for the for the education of their kids um and 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 again i go back to the question that, that i asked in the beginning you know can you name uh one thing that government's touched they've ever made better right so okay so um how can the voters learn a little bit more about jameson ellis yeah so uh hopefully they've learned a lot today i right. think so <laughs> yeah and uh and again i definitely want to appreciate you guys for for having me on it's it's, it's been a lot of fun and i love the the the, the joking and yeah, everything we, we, else yeah, so. yeah. Yes. Lighthearted. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You guys have been amazing. So then go to jamesonellis.com. That's uh, Jameson like the Irish whiskey, J-A-M-E-S-O-N, uh, Ellis, E-L-L-I-S.com. And then go there. They can read about my platform, what I'm fighting for. Uh, they can also donate. And so if there's one thing that people can do that's the, probably the most important thing is they need to donate, 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 make a contribution. So Dan Crenshaw currently has $4.2 million cash on hand. Can you guys guess how much of what he's raised has actually come from within the district here in District 2? Mm. $4.2 million? I'm, I'm going with eight, $8. $8. $8. Less than 1%. 0.65% of all the funds that he's raised has come from the district. Oh, I'm sure this is yeah. not a wealthy district. No, it's not. You know. Most of his most of his contributions mm -hmm. come from besides Texas. Most of his contributions come from three states: California and New York, two of the most liberal states in the union, mm -hmm. and Florida. So that's literally what we're up against. And so one of the things that I ask everybody is is to make a contribution, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, fifty dollars, it doesn't matter. But join the fight to restore liberty and fire Dan Crenshaw from D.C. or hashtag fire D.C. from D.C. is the hashtag that we use. Okay. Um, but you can go there, learn about my platform. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, I am on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Getter. Uh, I'm on Telegram. And I feel like there's one that I'm missing. And Gab. And I'm also on Gab. Okay. So Cool. So and, 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 and the handle is at the Jameson Ellis. Okay. Fantastic. Um, do, do you have any forms of debates, anything that you're going to be actually uh, going to actually, uh, 
tomorrow or today, um, Thursday, right? Thursday's uh, manana, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, tomorrow I have a, uh, a meet and greet at Splendora Cafe at oh, wow. 7 o'clock. Splendora Cafe? Yes, sir. Awesome. 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Okay. Well, I'll have to show up for that one because Splendora Cafe is good Yeah, it's literally just right, right, right down the road. There you go. Uh, so where we put most of our events, actually, it's where we put all of our events, but uh, on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So anytime that we have a public event, uh, we put we we go ahead, we post it on there. Another way that you can uh, always keep stay in the know about what we're doing is on jamesonellis.com. If you scroll down to the very bottom, excuse me, I'm trying to hold in the these gaseous burps. Sorry, I'm a real, very real guy, so I hope nobody got offended by that. But uh, if you scroll down to the very bottom of the website, it says follow the campaign, enter your first name and email address. We're not going to spam you. That's just so you can stay in contact with the campaign. And whenever we have an event, uh, then we'll send out an email to make sure that you always stay in the know. So if you really want to make sure you never miss anything uh, from our campaign, you can go there, subscribe, and uh, and always stay in the know. I think it's okay. like the third time I said that. Awesome. <laughs> Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, Jameson Ellis running for Congress. He's got some really fresh, interesting ideas. And uh, if you want to learn more, it's jamesonellis.com, correct? That's it? Yep. And he's also on Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere else you'll find social media. Um, and this is one of the things that I want you guys to remember. Learn as much as you can. Figure out who your candidates are. Figure out what your ideas are. And vote for those types of things. Don't just vote for a name or a slogan. Uh, do it right. Put the right people in office. And let's turn the ship around and get it going in the right direction. For David Mullane, I'm Hank Vatt. And this is Hank's Think Tank. And we're out. <laughs>